welcome to Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season two of the Fox TV series Fringe from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister J. And I'm Sister K. And welcome to episode three. Let's get started. Okay. All right. Well, it's been another great week of Fringe Week. A great episode. And Sister J, you're going to handle the recap today, right? Yep. We're going to get right to it. This is a... Fringe episode three, it's called Fracture. We open up in Philadelphia with uh, police officer Gillespie. He's getting a call. Well, he and his partner have stopped off for coffee and he's waiting in the car and he gets a call on his cell phone from Colonel. We learn later that it's Colonel Gordon, Raymond Gordon, who tells him to get to the station and to meet a man in a black coat carrying a black briefcase. So Gillespie immediately leaves his partner right at the coffee shop and rushes to the station with his sirens blaring. And of course, his partner's coming out. What's going on? Anyway, at the station, Gillespie, he finally sees the man and he demands the black suitcase from the man. Well, the man's acting like, what are you talking about? And But Gillespie uh, grabs the suitcase from the man in the black trench coat and immediately his whole body starts to ice up or it's crystallized but it looks like it's icing over and all of a sudden his whole body explodes so it's a whole bomb explodes then we're in the bowling alley with olivia and and uh, sam weiss and olivia is trying to tie her shoes and her hands are shaking and everything and weiss is is uh you know telling her don't think about it just you know do it but you don't need to think about it And so he eventually comes over and and helps uh, Olivia tie her shoes. And so Olivia asks him, well, what exactly did he do for Nina Sharp? And Weiss is explaining to her that he taught Nina Sharp how to eat French fries, which is uh, not really a simple task unless you have a cybernetic prosthetic arm. So Weiss uh, uh, starts questioning Olivia about getting only two to three hours of sleep and she's got really pale skin and he's asking her, you know, are you having any lingering pain? And we find out because Olivia says, yes, she has lingering pain in her leg and in her shoulders. And then he asks her, has her headache started yet? And she's saying, no, she don't have no headaches. And so he tells her, well, when you start having headaches, let me know. Uh, we're done. Take off your shoes. Come back tomorrow. And Olivia looks really irritated. The next day, and that was an evening. The next day, we're at Harvard University in Walter's lab, and Peter and Walter are discussing apartments. And Walter is t- trying to tell Peter that he has to have an east-facing apartment because he needs all that morning sunlight. And Peter's kind of, you know, scoffing like, "Okay." Well, Astrid gets an internet hit on this filter that she has um, put put on their internet about the bombing in Philly. And she says the reason why it was flagged is because there was no residue whatsoever left at this bomb site, which is very, very strange. And so while she's explaining that to him, Walter gets this really happy look and he says, Peter, shall I get my coat? And Peter says, hmm, I'll call Broyle. So we know that they're going, you know, to Philadelphia. And so Walter is asking Astrid uh, to get his portable chemistry set ready because this means bodies. He is so funny. But anyway, then we shoot to uh, our next scene is in Philly while they're investigating this bomb scene. And, you know, Walter's trying to figure out that the fragments that they 
they have all over the place and shooting into the people just like shrapnel, but they're crystallized something. And, and at first he thinks it's like a rock, like uh, uh, a diamond because it's hard as a diamond. But then he, he eventually realizes, uh, wait a minute, uh, these little red particles are like body parts filled with blood. So, and Broyles is there too, which I think is real interesting. So he, he provides us with the, with the background information that we, that we need, which is that there have been no terrorist groups, uh, uh, claiming the bombing and, you know, there's not been any increase, uh, chatter on all their little terrorist, uh, uh, websites and stuff. So they're really kind of like at a loss. Now we're back in the lab with Walter and Astrid analyzing the crystals uh, that they took from the bomb scene. And they're trying to determine, Walter's trying to determine what kind of device could a man wear that would cause his body to crystallize like that and eventually blow up. And I think it's really uh, 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 something that when um, Agent, uh, excuse me, when Astrid asked Walter about, oh, so you and Peter are looking to move into a, uh, a new place. Then all of a sudden Walter addresses her as agent Farnsworth. He says, well, agent Farnsworth, it just occurred to me that I've never asked you where you live. So she tells him, you know, she basically lives in the lab, which we already knew and discussed that she don't never leave it. But she also lives in, has an actual apartment in Somerville. So he and, he and Astrid kind of have a little, you know, chit chat session and, and Walter's talking about he took a wrong turn uh, in his neighborhood and, and found this really great restaurant place that, that, that fixes really great apple fritters. Next, we have uh, Peter and Olivia, and they are watching the surveillance tape or surveillance video with uh, a friend of Peter's whose name is Joe. And he, he's obviously a, a computer expert that Peter has known in some of his little dealings, but he's not saying how. And they're trying to figure out, you know, what what has caused all the uh, surveillance tape to have all the static in it. And they can't quite figure out what, uh, how the tape has all this static in it before the explosion happens. But Joe is able to uh, clean it up enough so they can see Officer Gillespie entering the station and walking around the station like he's looking for someone, but it ends, uh, uh, the static kind of overtakes the whole tape about maybe 10 to 15 to 20 seconds before the actual explosion. So they're trying to figure out, you know, what that is. Uh, then the next scene, we're back at the lab with Peter and Walter in the lab. And it's a real funny scene because Walter's asking Peter if he remembers this uh, jigsaw puzzle that he he had Peter put together when Peter was 10. And at first Peter says, no, he doesn't recall that. And Walter says, I think her name was Melissa. And then Peter smiles and says, oh yes, that was Miss, Je uh, Miss July. She was a playmate. And he's telling Astrid that, you know, Walter had him put together a 500 piece puzzle when he was 10 years old to teach Peter about human reproduction. So they have a good, good little lap there. And Walter's trying to uh, explain to Peter where well, the reason he brought it up is because Officer Gillespie is in over 500 pieces and Peter, excuse me, Walter and Astrid have put together his face and his foot and a part of his body. And uh, then Walter points out that Officer Gillespie had 
over 47 injections, injection wounds in his foot between his toes. And he, he stopped counting at 47, so there's probably a lot more needle marks there. But So they're wondering, hmm, I wonder, you know, what he was injecting himself with. The next thing we have is Olivia and Peter, and they are at Gillespie's house talking to the widow, Mrs. Gillespie. And, you know, she's saying she, you know, uh, you know, her husband, Dan Gillespie, he always came home. She's just, you know, not really um, uh, understanding, you know, what happened and no one's telling her how he died or anything. And Olivia looks at Peter and, and she just simply tells her, well, we're, you know, still investigating it. All of a sudden, oh, and Peter does ask the uh, uh, Mrs. Gillespie if her husband served, where did he serve in Iraq? And she says, Ramadi, and, and then she asked Peter, well, oh, did you serve? And he says, no, he was a civilian contractor based outside of Baghdad. So that's confirmation that he's been to Iraq like several times, <clears throat> excuse me. And all of a sudden, while he's talking to Mrs. Gillespie, Olivia starts getting this really bad headache and she has flashbacks. She has flashbacks of being on the elevator in the alternate universe of pushing an elevator button. She has a flashback of uh, William Bell saying something to her. And she also has flashbacks of, of some other images that went by too fast for me to, you know, get. And so she jumps up abruptly and asks Mrs. Gillespie if she could use her bathroom. And so she rushes down the hall to the bathroom and she gets there just in time to fall on her knees and retch in the toilet. And so she's, you know, finished vomiting into the toilet and she happens to look up when she flushes the toilet and she sees this tile under the sink that's loose. And she's, you know, FBI agent. So she's going to go and open the tile and look, look in it. And inside this, um, little hidden compartment, there are two cases, one a black case and one a silver case. And in the black case, there are all these vials of this amber liquid, amber colored liquid. And in the silver case, there's this special injector needle. So she comes out of the bathroom. And by that time, Peter and Mrs. Gillespie are at the bathroom door and Peter's, uh, you know, uh, agent Dunham, are you okay? And she, uh, opens the door and she, has both these in her hands and asks Mrs. Gillespie, uh, what are these? And Mrs. Gillespie says, I've never seen those in my whole life. So then we have Olivia and Peter getting in the car, getting ready to leave. And she's telling him, well, well, uh, or Peter's telling her, this is probably what Walter was talking about with the injections and stuff in the toes. And so she's anxious to get uh, those materials back to Walter. Uh, but Peter wants to ask her, what about the headache? And she says, Olivia kind of lies to him and says, well, uh, the doctor said that, you know, having a headache would be normal. So it, it's normal. And she gets in the car, but she's looking awfully, awfully guilty. And, uh, you know, I'll talk about this later. But one thing I noticed in this whole scene was nowhere in that whole scene did they show Olivia washing her hands after retching in that toilet, which I thought was pretty nasty. Because in the car, she's wiping her lips and wiping her head. So, ooh, anyway. Okay, then we uh, go to Oak Park, Illinois, where we see a woman getting out of bed in the middle of the night. We come to find out later that her name is Captain Diane Burgess. But for now, we just know her as this brown-haired woman. She gets up out of bed and leaves her husband sleeping. She goes into the bathroom. She clears off a a shelf in her um 
medicine cabinet and 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 opens up this little secret compartment and pulls out the same black case and same silver case and she takes one of the vials of the amber liquid and puts it in the injector and she injects herself in the foot between her toes in the foot and you can see her foot crystallized or uh, in my opinion it, it looks like it ices up it glows yeah it, it, it kind of glows it, it kind of glows and it, 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 it flashes about halfway up her foot and then it goes away. And, you know, so she's this there. Then the next scene we see uh, Captain Burgess and she's at the grocery store putting groceries into her SUV when Colonel uh, Raymond Gordon just walks up to her and says, hello, Captain, uh, we need to talk. And so, you know, then we uh, uh, flash to him and her sitting inside her vehicle. And he's telling her that she's been called back to active status and she needs to go to Washington, D.C. for an assignment that Friday. He has a ID, a tickets, a hotel reservations, and all of this information in a large brown envelope that he gives to uh, Captain Burgess. And he tells her, uh, or he asks her, uh, do you have a cover story for your family? And she lets him know, yes, you know, I'm going to be visiting my sister who lives in uh, Georgetown which, as we know, is close to D.C. And uh, so that's her cover story. Then he gives her this special red cell phone and tells her to keep that with her at all times and that he'll be calling her again. So, and the last thing he asks Captain Burgess is, have you been taking your serum? And she says, yes, she's been taking it. And he says, good. From now on, 10-man parameters are in effect. And that's very intriguing because we're getting ready to find out what Tin Man is. Now, uh, uh, the scene goes back to the bowling alley and Olivia is asking Weiss how he knew that her headaches were about to start. And he's trying to, you know, tell her and she says to him, cut the Yoda crap and just tell me what's happening. You know, that was really funny. And he says that she's experiencing acute nominal aphasia which is common in head trauma uh, patients, which means that parts of her brain are uh, still asleep, but, you know, parts are waking up. And once her whole brain wakes up, then all of her memories are going to flush out just all in a bunch. So Olivia wants to know, well, you know, yeah, okay, but when? When will I get my memory back? And, you know, Wise is handing her a pair of bowling shoes and a pencil and telling her, well... Uh, for right now, you're going to be uh, keeping score, old school style, for this kids league that he has coming in bowling. And she's, you know, when when Olivia protests about, oh, what's that going to do? How's that going to help me any? Then he lets her know, well, for one thing, you know, it, it, it might teach you some patience. So Olivia looks really disgusted, like she could slap him. So next we have, the next scene we, we flash to Walter and Peter in the lab again. And Peter has just brought... Walter and Astrid some food. They have hamburgers and some drinks and Peter's eating a cheeseburger. And Walter's trying to tell Peter about how he has uh, come to find out that Peter Gillespie injected himself regularly uh, for probably over a year because he had that many needle marks in his foot. And so Peter's saying, hmm, that means that he was still in Iraq when he started injecting himself with this uh, solution. So that's intriguing. So he asked Astrid about his military record. So Astrid goes to, to the computer, you know, check on that. And Walter and Peter are discussing um, 
that, you know, something has to trigger this, this explosion and they're eating their hamburgers and the cow moves at Peter. And so Walter kind of, you know, pulls Peter aside a little bit and whispers to him. He says, uh, you know, if you're going to eat that cheeseburger, you should be a little more discreet because he's talking about the cow. And Peter looks at Walter like, you got to be crazy and takes a big hunk of the hamburger. I mean, that cow moves like somebody just stuck her with a stick. And so Peter's and and Walter is giving Peter this really disgusted look like I told you. And Peter just says, oh, and he throws the hamburger up on the table. It is so hilarious. It was really funny. But anyway, about that time, then um, Astrid tells Peter that his military file is up and that their whole, uh, uh, not only was Gillespie exposed to this uh, uh, chemical agent, but she's asking Peter, what is a cyanogen chloride? And he says, well, that was a chemical weapon that they used, you know, in Iraq. So they find out that their whole unit was exposed to that. The next scene we have is Broyles is outside uh, talking with Peter and Olivia, and they're talking about this 10-man project. And it was a project that was shut down shortly after uh, Officer Gillespie returned to the United States from Iraq. And all the personnel, Broyles is saying that all the personnel, all their names were redacted from the record. So somebody's trying to hide that. But the names of the three doctors who helped with that project in Iraq were still there. So he's saying that, um, you know, they're, they're a, a part of uh, the FBI. They're trying to track down this, um, these three Iraqi doctors, but it's going to take two weeks. So Peter says, you know, we don't have two weeks because I'm sure there are other others out there that are like ticking time bombs. So I might be able to help, but I need some stuff. I need a, a private air transportation. I need $20,000 in cash and I need a passport that's not in my real name because he's on some watch list still somewhere. So Broyles says, mm, okay, well, he agrees to that. He says, but you're going to need an FBI agent. And of course, we know he's going to send Olivia with him. So next scene, we have Olivia and Peter are in Baghdad and they're entering this um, this restaurant establishment where there's nothing but men in there sitting around drinking and, you know, talking. And of course, everyone in the establishment looks when they enter because Olivia is the only woman in the place, which, you know, it's a little out of place, but they talk to this contact that Peter has. And we, we find out through their conversation that uh, Peter must've left abruptly and just thought of himself, you know, to save himself. And he didn't save maybe some of the other people because the man he's talking to has all these scars upside his face. But Peter assures the man that he's there now to help a lot of innocent people and he just needs information. He needs to talk to these these group of doctors that helped. And so he gives a list of names to the contact uh, person and he says, okay, you know, let me find out. Well, come to find out that the one of the doctors who worked on this 10-man project, he's a, a cook in the restaurant. And uh, he he lets Peter know that, you know, he, he's a cook in the restaurant because uh, all his uh, own people, they shun him because they view him as a threat since he worked with the Americans in that American hospital. But he does tell them after some prodding that uh, there were soldiers that were exposed to a synthetic neurotoxin developed under Saddam Hussein called cyanogen and that 
they treated over 200 soldiers and but out of those 200 soldiers only a few of those soldiers survived and this doctor remembered the names of the soldiers that survived because he helped save their lives and it was um officer gillespie who we know now is dead uh, a woman named joan clump ross cavanaugh and captain diane burgess so, and he also tells them that the only other person that he could think of that would have anything to do with this program would be Colonel Raymond Gordon, because when the program was shut down, he was the only person that argued for the program to be continued. So we know that that's the Colonel doing all this. The next scene, we're with Walter in the lab with Astrid, and Walter is injecting just a very tiny portion of the serum that they found in those um, vials into a big watermelon that he's cut the top off. And he's saying that he believes, like Peter suggested, that maybe radio waves is used to detonate this particular um, compound within the system. So he and Astrid put on their goggles and they start the radio waves and he tells um, Astrid to note the 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 uh VH, vhs frequency. frequency that's what it is the frequency that uh it's going to take to blow this this up so the watermelon kind of you know gets started it's, it looks like kind of like a little volcano but it doesn't erupt yet so astrid says it's 331.6 megahertz and he says okay well then it should blow any minute and right after that it just blows up it doesn't blow all the way, like disintegrate all the way because he only used a very, very small portion, but it does erupt and blows a lot of pieces of fruit all over. Of course, Astrid's a little put out because, you know, she has to clean it up and she did, She said she just cleaned up the lab, but Walter is just beside himself. He can hardly contain his smile and he's saying it works. So he is so happy. Next, we have a broils. He's giving a he, oh, he's giving a, a briefing to all the agents in D.C. And he's telling them what they're looking for. They're looking for Captain Burgess. They're also looking for Captain, uh, excuse me, for Colonel Gordon. And he's probably the person who is detonating her. And so all the agents, what they have in mind is they're going to jam the frequency so he, meaning Colonel Gordon, cannot activate Burgess. Well, we see her in the... Um, in the uh, uh, federal metro station, that's where uh, Gordon sends her, and she's looking around for the man in the black trench coat with the black case, because that's what Gordon has called and told her to look for, like he does in all of them. And when she spots him, then of course she walks up to the man and, and says, you know, I'm here for the case. Well, the man's saying, I don't know what you're talking about or who you are, and he's keeping hold of the case. In the meantime, Olivia and Peter are lurking around. They're looking for, for the Colonel. Well, Peter finally, um, uh, spots him. So he runs and tackles him and Peter starts beating the crap out of this Colonel where Olivia sees the detonation device and she's trying to figure out how to get it off, but she can't figure it out. So she takes her cane and beats the crap out of this, this, uh, oh, she beats the crap out of this, uh, detonation, uh, 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 it's a radio wave emitter, radio emitter, radio wave emitter. And, you know, of course, it, it breaks. And so the woman who has started to crystallize, then all of her little crystallization backs off and she falls to the floor, falls to the ground. So of course they cart, um, the Colonel away and everything. Meanwhile, 
which is very interesting. While the, while Captain Burgess was, you know, her arms and hands started crystallizing because uh, Colonel Gordon had already uh, uh, started the detonation process, but Olivia broke that 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 little uh, chain. Then the man in the black trench coat with the with the um, black uh, briefcase. He just very politely walked out of the station, went on his merry way. So, and right after, you know, everything is over and they, they, and Olivia uh, breaks up the device, then Walter is just grinning and happy and because he's in the command van with Broyles and he, he's uh, smiling and shaking Broyles' hand, which I thought was really cute. Okay. Now at the lab, um, we're back at the Harvard lab after all this is over and Walter walks in and he gives Peter a newspaper and Peter says, what's this? And he says, it's a two bedroom semi-detached apartment. That's a completely furnished housing for professors. And so Peter is all happy and says, okay, I'll go and, and see if Broyles will let us lease this. Well, Olivia's back at the bowling alley and Wise is measuring Lee, uh, uh, Olivia's palm with the tape measure. And he says her palm measures seven and a quarter inches. And he seems surprised because he thought her hand would be smaller than that. So he says that, you know, that's all for tonight and Olivia's to go home. And, and Olivia is upset and she says, wait a minute, I just got here. And so Wise stands up and he walks over to where you grab your bowling balls to get ready to bowl. And he says, well, he says, you know, I'm tired. You need rest. I need rest. And by tomorrow, I will have found you the perfect bowling ball. Suddenly a gun clicks at his head and Olivia is standing right next to him holding a gun. And Olivia says, now you listen to me, you son of a bitch. I'm not here to bowl or try on shoes or have you play games with my head. I'm here because I was told you could fix me. Rice just looks at her. He looks at the, he turns around slowly. He looks at the gun and kind of looks at her. Then he looks behind her and she follows his eyes and they look way over to the uh, seats where you uh, keep score and there's her cane. So she had walked up there all by herself real quickly so she must be kind of healed. So Weiss just looks looks around uh, at her and says, take care, Agent Dunham, and walks on off. And the last scene of the show, we see Broyles questioning Colonel Gordon in an interrogation room. And Colonel Gordon is telling him all this information about who they are and what he was doing. He says he told the Pentagon the same information, but of course they think he's crazy. And then we get this, this overlay as Colonel Gordon's uh, telling him that they are collecting data to use against us. And he says that they've been planning a war with us and they're passing all this information by courier. And while he's telling Broyles this, we see the same man in the black trench coat with the black briefcase that was at the Metro uh, station with, um, with Diane Burgess. Um, he is entering a diner with his briefcase, he walks up to a man and the man sitting there that he gives the briefcase to and he very politely says, thank you. He dumps a whole container of pepper on his food. So we know that from season one, who that is. And then they, they kind of pull back and it's one of those observers sitting there and, and the man gives him the case and then the man leaves and Gordon is saying, we don't know who they are, but we do know that they want to exterminate us. 
And while Gordon is, is telling Broyles this information, then the screen shows the observer opening up the briefcase. And inside the briefcase are three pictures of Walter Bishop. And it's over and out. Yes, that was a good episode. That was kind of long, but I wanted to go through all that good stuff, so. That was great, Sister J. Thank you. Yes, it was kind of long, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought this was an excellent episode. Okay. Excellent. What'd you think? I thought it was really, really good. It had a lot of good stuff in it. I was really kind of glad that we didn't see the lurking Charlie in this one. Because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Or Agent Jessup. Yeah, I was kind of glad for that. Not unless they're they're going to do something with them. And even though, even though Astrid, once again, did not get to leave the lab, but they did show a lot of her in this episode. They did. She, uh, a lot of her. So I was glad for that. Yeah. So. Well, with um, Astrid, I, I kind of had a couple of thoughts with her. Okay. If you want to just go on to her. Yes. When, um. Walter and her were in the lab and talking about apartments and where she lives. Mm-hmm. It was kind of cute. It was nice. It was ha- nice. See that little detail about her? Because we've all been saying we need to find out more about her. Mm-hmm. And they seem to just use her as a side character. Mm-hmm. But the more and more they featured her in the episode, the more worried I got. And then we got to the um, scene where Walter put that concoction in the watermelon and I said, okay, I know it's going to explode. And it just seemed the way the camera angle was <laughs> right in front of the watermelon and Astra. I thought, well, when it explodes, it's going to kill her. Because, no. you know, that's what they do. They don't tell us about side <laughs> characters until they get ready to kill them. Yeah. But no, she's still there. She's so still there. So that was my initial thought throughout that first half of the episode where I was like, okay, we're talking to Astra <laughs> a lot more than we normally do. Well, this and is- we've got this exploding element. Let's see what happens. Well, the way I looked at this episode uh, uh, with respect to Astrid is I think they're trying to show more how she is an, uh, how Walter and Peter view Astrid as an integral part of their family because she said she practically lives at the lab. So does right. Walter. Right. See, and when, when w- Walter asked Peter things about, Oh, remember when you did this? And Peter always looks to Astrid and explains to her, oh, yeah, he means such and such a time. Yeah. Or like, you know, when when they were first um, uh, uh, looking at apartments in the newspaper and Peter was trying to uh, uh, say to Walter, okay, what about this apartment? Then Peter was complaining to Astrid about, hey, I got to have my own place because, you know, he will. I, I was woken up with him singing some opera. And, and Astrid said, oh, your father has a beautiful voice. Remember that? Right. And he said, yeah, but not standing there naked, you know, and which I thought was hilarious conversation. And I also thought it was hilarious to watch Walter heating up this cappuccino in a test tube over a Bunsen burner. And he was putting it in his little, his little cappuccino cup, you know, those little bitty yeah, cups. I don't I know. know. I don't know what they call that, but that was funny. That was hilarious. So I took it like they're trying to show that Astrid is, it's like, or they look upon her like a part of their family. Well, yeah, I, I'm not saying that that's not the case. All, what I'm saying is that usually we don't see much of her. Mm-hmm. And even though we know she's an integral part of the lab and, and their life, we don't see anything about her. Yeah, that's true. And they true. kind of gloss over her, so I fully expected them to kill her. Well, maybe since episode. we now know that she has an apartment in Somerville, the next uh, episode 
or, or, or two down the way, maybe we'll see her go to her apartment. I doubt it. <laughs> and you know what? I noticed one thing else in this episode. Astrid's wearing a wig or the actress is wearing yes, a wig. Yes, she's That's wearing a wig. That's not her hair. So they didn't cut her hair. They just no. slapped that short, ugly wig on her, which I don't get. I don't get. And I bet she wouldn't let him cut her hair either. She got beautiful hair. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't let him cut my hair. I wouldn't let him do it either. So, so yeah. Now all I want to do whenever I see her is snatch that wig off. <laughs> so what do you think about uh, Olivia this particular episode? I, I like Anna Torv. I like Olivia. She's one of my favorite characters in the mm-hmm. in the show. So I really liked her, and I just love the fact how they made her irritable and oh, grumpy man, she's and irritable. grouchy the whole episode. The whole she's, episode. Well, and like this kind of they set this up last ep- or in the first episode. Well, no, it was the second episode when mm-hmm. Peter was telling her, "You don't accept help from people very well." Yeah, and she was like, "Yeah, you could help me." You know, she kind of played it off. So, mm-hmm. "Yeah, you could help me carry my bags." But she doesn't like being helpless. She doesn't like having the cane. Mm-hmm. And they gave her a big old granny cane, too. <laughs> a big granny cane. And she doesn't like not being able to move around, being limited, mm-hmm. and not knowing what's going on with her mental state, I think is just making her un- unbearably irritable. But we also find out she has chronic pain, too. And they didn't say nothing right. about no pain medication, so she's just probably grinning, bearing it, you know? Yeah, otherwise she can't mm-hmm. be sharp. So, yeah, so I like that because that's how real people are. And she was irritable this whole time. I mean, when Broyles told Peter, okay, yeah, I'll give you this stuff to go to Iraq, but you're going to need an FBI agent. And he says, you guys need to, I'm going to send Agent Dunham and y'all need to like look out for one another. And Peter says something to her like, well, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? And she looks at him like she could smack him. And she just turned around and rolled her eyes and said, Baghdad, here we come. But by the time she said that, she was walking halfway down the block. Yeah. Oh, that was good, though. You could tell she was so irritated. <laughs> yeah, so I like that part of the um, the episode that they're trying to mm-hmm. make her, like, you know, a real person mm-hmm. would be. They would be irritable. If they're in pain, They if they didn't know what was going on with their mind, they would be very short with people. That's true. Now, the only thing I didn't like was when they got to Baghdad. Oh, come on now. She would not have went up in there where she's the, obviously that is an establishment that only men go to. Yeah. She would not have been up in there with that little head rag uh, or head wrap on and all those men. Now, at least they did show all the men looking at her like she was crazy when she came in there. But still, you know, to me, that just did not ring true. They should have, when she said, uh, should I wait outside? He should have just said to her, well, maybe you should just wait in the doorway. I mean, even that, they still would have stared at her. But no, I don't believe for a moment she would have went up in there. No, I, I don't know. I didn't believe it. I think since he was American, that kind of made it work. But what I thought they would have done is just have her try to dress like a man, not have all that makeup on. Yeah, and I or don't something. Know. I just didn't like that whole yeah, that, that scene. Was whole kinda, scene. And then and I think it's it was not very, like we don't know. Peter don't know how to use a gun. Well, and also I thought it was convenient that the doctor was there in the restaurant. Yeah. Working. Yeah. As a cook. As a cook. Or I mean, what washing are the dishes odds or something. of that happening? Well, but he did explain that his people shun him, so he probably couldn't get any or other job. Or were in a different place? Did they we, go, I didn't see We could have been in a different place. It's just they didn't show that well if we were. Well, now, 
Now that you mention it, we could have been in a different place, and I'll tell you why. And that's because like a bar. it looked like a bar because uh, all they were doing, all the men were drinking and talking. Yeah, at and little the tables. Place, they had food and a restaurant, waiters and stuff. Shelf full of mm-hmm. nice looking grapes and tomatoes and stuff, and all that. So stuff. maybe they had went to another place, but they just didn't. They could have yeah. taken two seconds to show us driving somewhere or going into a new building yeah. or something. Yeah, I, I agree. But, but I thought it was convenient that I'm like, oh, come on. That doctor works there. That yeah. doesn't make sense. I just, it didn't make sense to me that Olivia was the one that went with him because, uh, or, or even if she went, uh, okay. So she started to show, of course she going to go. However, they should have had someone else, whether it be Jessup or, 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 or a third party, just some agent, a man, because there's no way she would have went up in that bar. And then to sit at the bar and drink that nasty drink, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. She was well, the only female in the whole place. I, I, and I don't think they would have made allowances simply because she was an American. If I, anything, they would have been more offended because the, they probably would have felt like you should be uh, 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 respecting our customs and women don't come up in here. Yeah. See what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So that to me, that was a big jarring no, no moment. So anyway, but otherwise I did like, Oh, and well, I, 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 I really like her interaction with Weiss though. Well, before we get to that, we're going okay. back that I really liked us seeing more about Peter's backstory. Oh and yeah. <laughs> obviously, like you said, in the recap, there's something going on or he's got history with Ahmed Yep. And he's kind of done them wrong. He done them wrong. And he looked regretful. He looked sorry. He looked like he was sad about Guilty. it. Guilty. Guilty. All those emotions crossed his face. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that is, I just like that whole scene. And then when Olivia asked him, do you want to talk, tell me what that's about? He's like, no. Yeah. I love that because not everybody's going to explain their mm-hmm. stuff like that. But, but you are right though. He was a, that was one of his best acting scenes, I think, because you could see all that in his face as he sat there and yeah. then, and how he dropped his voice down even further when he had to tell the guy, look, I'm trying to help a bunch of innocent people. And the guy was still not letting go. He's like, oh, oh, that matters oh, to you now. That matters to you, now? <laughs> you know? Right. So I thought that was excellent. I yeah. thought it was a very good scene for for him. I just like the episodes where we see more Peter and get more of his center, you know, mm-hmm. his backstory and find out what's going on with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. So you were saying Olivia and Sam. So, Olivia and Sam Weiss are very interesting together because I'm I'm kind of with Olivia. Okay, man, get on with it, you know, <laughs> because what you supposed to be trying to teach her. Oh man, but he is trying to uh, let her come to it herself and in her own way. And I love the line where she says, cut the Yoda crap because it's all, I mean, it's so much like Star Wars because Yoda would give these little half little riddles. Yep. Wouldn't really be what Luke thought wasn't teaching him anything. Luke was all impatient Mm -hmm. and whiny and that's kind of how Olivia was acting. Uh, oh, I thoroughly was feeling her on that because I thought, no, wait a minute. Every daggone time she comes there, he has her put on some shoes. He says a few sentences. Okay, we done for the night. And then take off the shoes. And it took her like an hour to put the shoes on. Yeah. You know, so I'm with Olivia there. Okay, get on with it. But I, you know, I love the fact that she was back to 
how she was irritated the whole time because the first thing she thought to do was put a gun upside his head and click that thing. Now, that goes back to last week too where, excuse me, the very first episode where she couldn't really load that gun and, and, and cock that gun. Yeah. Hey, she had no problem and she was, so you but I knew. that one was more that she was scared than she was. Right. But weak. she was mad in yeah. this one. She was mad and I liked the fact, I liked his reaction so much. Yeah. I loved his reaction because he didn't say a word. He just looked at the gun barrel so close to his face, looked at her, and then he looked beyond her, and he just kept looking there. And then she finally followed his eyes, you know, and turned around and, and kind of really looked at that cane, that granny cane sitting way over there. Mm-hmm. So that was good. That was very excellent. I now, like a couple that. other things that I kind of was like, eh, on. What? Was Walter tasting that crystal, which we oh. later find out is an ear. Yes. That was just nasty. And I knew when he put his lip, tongue to it, I was like, don't and he goes, taste it, nasty. Ooh, salty. Must be some kind of silica. Oh, Lord. That was disgusting. And plus, couldn't you tell because it was red? Well, they didn't see him blow up like we did. That's true. That's true. So but no yeah, idea. that was really nasty. My other ooh moment was when Olivia got sick at um, Officer Gillespie's house <laughs> and went to the bathroom to throw up. Mm-hmm. And she's all down on their In toilet. The toilet. And I was like, um, you don't know these people. <laughs> I know. You don't you know that know toilet clean. clean. Or what? That, I was just, that was my first initial reaction. Was like, okay, that that shit is nasty. Oh, it was so nasty because, and then when she just pulled the lid down and, and flushed it, and I'm thinking, don't wipe your mouth, don't do nothing. And but just like I said in the recap, nowhere in that whole scene did we see her wash her hands. We didn't hear no water, no nothing. Yeah. Oh, please. And then, if you recall, when she went outside and they was getting in the, tr- in, in, in the truck. Yeah, she touched her eyes. She touched her, her eyes and her lips. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's nasty. Now, she wasn't using the bathroom, but she had her hands all over their toilets. So. Yeah, well, what, what, what she but threw up. details that we would think about, because hey, we just kind of have that issue. That's, that's nasty. But, uh, I'm sure they, when you're using somebody else's bathroom, you don't know if they clean like you clean, no, and you, don't. you wash your hands, yeah. first of all. But I thought that was... I thought it was very uh, believable how she saw the the loose tile. I don't know if, but but she is an FBI agent, yeah, so she's curious. of course she, she would look. Yeah, she'd look she at would it. look. And I thought that was excellent. And then then uh, when we see Captain Burgess getting her injection out, and she had to clear off a whole shelf of her medicine cabinet, and, yeah, and that shit yeah, hidden. she had it hidden real good. So now we know if they was well, hiding. Well, that was it. my other thing was okay. You're injecting this stuff in you, and your foot is glowing. Wouldn't you be asking some damn questions? Well, but... What the hell am I injecting? Well, but like that doctor explained, he says when they... And I may not have put that in the recap, but what he told them was, you know, that Operation Tin Man, they thought they was going to have an anecdote. And actually, what that serum was, was an anecdote to them being exposed Exposed, to that chemical agent. However... The, the side effect was that crystallization and all that stuff, you know, after it built up in your tissues. Right. And so what you have to do is you have to take it every single day in order to go on and live your life. Now, what they didn't know was that the colonel would use it as a weapon anyway. And so, you know, uh, uh, in my opinion, probably what happened was, 
you know, when they, as each one of these individuals who were able to survive, and it was only like four or five of them that survived mm-hmm. out of 200, that's not very many. Then I'm sure that they had the fear put in them. Okay, this is something I got to do every single day if I want to go ahead and, you know, be healthy. Yeah. See, so now this is a question I just thought of, and that is with the Captain Burgess. Did you happen to notice how old her her child was? Because she had some kids standing out there. She had one child and a husband. Yeah. And, and wasn't that kid like, what, five, six? No, it looked like she was about 10. Oh, okay, good. Because the thought occurred to me, okay, they hadn't been back from Iraq very long. So, because the thought occurred to me, well, she certainly couldn't get pregnant injecting that crap in her toe every day. But I couldn't remember, you know, no, no. how old the she kid had was. The baby so, before that. yeah. So it was an older kid. So, and I really liked the fact. This is what I really liked about this. I really loved how the colonel would tell them it's going to be a man in a black trench coat with a black briefcase. Get the briefcase, you know. And these men didn't know these people from Adam, but they were couriers for the Observer. And that all tied in by the end of the show. I like that. Oh, I think those men knew. I don't think they knew about the colonel. Hmm. No, I don't. I don't think they knew because the very first when uh, when, that, that could be, yeah, when Gillespie could be when yeah. Gillespie blew up, the courier was still there. Right, but he went. He moved. Right, back. but Burgess when she was doing that glowing and 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 uh, Peter started fighting with with uh, Colonel Gordon, then that courier he left. He went on. He looked back and and he left. Well, the first courier sure didn't fight very much because I would if you know. If you knew it was something important, you probably wouldn't have given it up so easy. It seemed like they gave it up an awful easy. Well, but that uh, what you call? Which is why I thought they kind of knew. Well, about it. I or, didn't. I didn't look at it like yeah. he gave it up easy. I look at it like well, he didn't want to cause a disturbance. Yeah. See, because that's not what his task was. And and if you recall, Officer Gillespie, he grabbed it from him. He said, "Give me that." Yeah, that's a good point. Where the woman did not do that. Yeah. She just w- reached for it. Yeah, and then and she started, she started uh, mm-hmm. icing up or, you know, crystallizing or whatever. So, but I thought that was excellent. But as soon as they showed the individual pouring all that pepper on their food, I knew it was an yeah. observer. Yeah. Because all in season one, uh, for that's some reason, they love pepper. <laughs> Stuff don't taste right. I, I don't know. So. I don't know, but they love pepper. <laughs> well, all right. So Anything good. else you thought of or you noticed in the show you want to talk about before we get into our email? Well, well, I didn't talk about all the funny stuff Walter Walter had to, had to do. I mean, some of the funny stuff, you know, I did cover. But one of the funny things that, that I thought was hilarious was while Broyles was... Um, giving all of the FBI agents in D.C. Their, their little orders about, you know, what they're going to do and who they're going to be observing and stuff. Walter was standing in the back of the room licking the sugar off of a donut. Mm-hmm. He wasn't eating the donut. That was cute. He, he was just licking the sugar just, off of it. It was different. Yeah. Just to kind of keep the weirdness going. I know. <laughs> Which I thought that was good. And then, for me, the best scene for Walter for this episode was when he... When Peter bought food and Walter was so happy, oh, food, and they're eating its hamburgers. And then when he tells Peter, uh, if you're going to eat that cheeseburger, you might want to do it on the down low because, you know, at least be at least be discreet. 
Yeah, for Gene the cow. Yeah, Gene the cow. And then Peter takes a big old bite as if to say, I'm not stunning y'all. And that cow gave out the loudest moo like somebody poked her with a stick. It was funny. That was funny. And, and, and Walter looked so disgusted at Peter. It was funny. Anyway, so that was my Walter moment. Okay, great. Well, we had a lot of feedback email this week, so oh let's goodness. go ahead and get on it. Okay. Okay, cool. so our first one is from Denise. Hey, and, Denise. Um, a couple of these are from the second, they're talking about the second episode because they got their emails in late for okay. our last podcast. Okay, she says, thanks for the kind words about my show. Um, she talks about Olivia was still getting dressed. Where did Nina come from? <laughs> I would have been like, you need to step into the hallway. This episode was a mismatch of one of my favorite X-File episodes, Home, and several movies, Jeepers Creepers and The Descent, to name a couple. Um, she's talking about the episode last week, Night of Desirable Objects, with the little mole rat boy. Yeah. <laughs> and The Descent. Oh, my goodness, that movie. Have you ever seen that? No, I've not seen that It was one. exactly like The Descent. And, and when she mentioned that, I was like, yes, that movie will freak you out. If y'all have not seen it, it is an excellent movie. Anyway... A great episode, but I just kept seeing elements of other ideas. I never thought that last season. I think JJ and his friends watch too much television. (laughs) Have a great week, Denise. Uh, Well, I I have seen Jeepers Creepers, and I don't like... See, I don't watch movies like that, but I did watch it with my niece once, and, oh, Lord, uh uh-uh. But I, I guess, I mean, you know... In fairness to J.J. Abrams and anybody else who, who, who does television or movies or writes books, you know, there is not any story on the planet that has not been told before. And it's just a retelling in different ways of the same story. So, you know, for me, it doesn't bother me at all that there are elements of whether it's X-Files or, or a movie or anything. It, it, it doesn't bother it for me. I, I just enjoy this so much. I love well, it all depends on what you've seen. I mean, I I saw the descent, mm-hmm. and it just didn't click in my mind mm-hmm. that the creature on the episode kind of looks like the creatures on the descent. So, mm-hmm. um, if you've seen something like that, you would probably go, you know, I've seen this before. And if mm-hmm. you haven't, then you'd think it's a fresh idea. So I can kind of get what she's talking about mm-hmm. in that way. But I I you know I just go for the enjoyment of the show and didn't notice that. Yeah. But I did, after she mentioned, I was like, oh yeah, that is the descent. Well, th- descent. thank you for that email, Denise. Thank you, Denise. Our next email is from Andy, mm-hmm. and he is a new emailer. Hey, Andy. He says, "Hi, sisters. I love the podcast. I first started listening during True Blood. My Sunday nights are dull now that it's over. I agree. Oh, Andy. me too. So nice to hear commentary from your perspective. I, it is really refreshing." I went back and started listening to your old shows, and you got me hooked on Damages and the 4400. Oh, yeah. I was halfway through the first season of your podcast when you redid your website. Looks good, by the way. And all the old episodes disappeared. Any chance of reposting some of those episodes for me, for some of us new listeners? Andy from Harlem. Well, thank you very much, Andy, for that email. And I am so glad you like. Our, uh, the way we did the podcast on Damages and the 4400. I miss the 4400. I, I love that show. And Damages will be back for a third season. We don't know exactly when, but it will be back. So, yeah, we'll be mentioning that too. And um, about your comment, we will be, I will go back and repost those old Sisters Interview episodes. Um, I just didn't think anyone would want to go back and listen. <laughs> I went back and listened to a couple 
oh, a couple weeks ago we were looking for some clip that we had. Um, no, you were looking for a clip that you yeah, had. it was so funny. <laughs> episode 11, all stuff I have oh. to say. The last uh, seven minutes, episode 11. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, and I just feel like we sound so young and, I don't know, so amateur then, but yeah. I guess we're not any different than we are now. So. We were amateurs. But in the next, I'll be busy in the next few weeks, so I'll be sure and get that. Look for it by the end of October. Yeah. Because it's going to take a while to kind of re-post um, all of those. I think we had about 30 or 40 episodes. So, And unfortunately, uh, Sister K does all the technical stuff, so I can't help you. So <laughs> I have to I have to wait. So you have to wait for her to like repost them up because I, I would have no clue of how to do that. Okay. Well, our next email came from Zelnetta. Hey, Zelnetta. And she says, um, I know, hi, Sister K. I know how busy you are, so I definitely wasn't expecting a response. Yay! Yay! Um, I have been hooked on your podcast for some time, for the first time I heard you two, and believe me, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I enjoy you both so much. I'm going to listen to your Fringe podcast, a show I have never had an interest in. And I'm going to try to come out of my shell and email my two cents throughout the Survivor season. Yay. Take care, Zelnetta. Thank you, Zelnetta, for that email. And we are so glad that we were able to turn you on to Fringe. I guarantee you are going to love it. You will it love is it. A great show. And yes, be sure and, and uh, look for our, our next episode for Survivor. Uh, it's going to be a doozy. It's going to be it's a good be one. It's going to be a good one. So thank you for that email. All right, our next one comes from. Mr. J. Oh, Mr. J. How you doing? We've been missing you, Mr. J. That's right. He is a regular emailer from our um, True Blood podcast. Yes. He says, hey, sisters, I just wanted to say thank you for turning me on to Fringe. I never really watched it the first season because I wasn't sure it was going to... Oh, my goodness, I can't read. I know. I never really watched it the first season because I was sure it was going to get the can. You know how Fox is. Oh, yeah. Uh, Just a side note. Yes, I do. (laughs) Uh, Remember Fast Lane, y'all? Yeah. With Bill Bellamy and um, I can't think of the guy's name now. Fatrinelli. Peter Fatrinelli. Yeah, Peter Fatrinelli. And remember Firefly? Yeah. That's a good show for uh, Mm y'all who love kind of like not really sci-fi but really good intellectual sci-fi it was good sci-fi great it's on dvd mm-hmm. i mean there's a ton of shows that fox has just let slip through its fingers that are so good that's true sarah connor chronicles yeah they canceled that okay mm. back to the email when you said you'd be podcasting about it fringe on the true blood podcast i was a little sad but then i figured if the sisters love it I probably will too. <laughs> now I'm totally addicted. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I have no theories yet, so this is a short email. But once I get all the episodes processed, I'm sure I will have tons to tons to say. I just now got caught up to the newest episode, and I have to say I like the second season way better than the first. Well, so far. Mm-hmm. Your faithful listener, Mr. J. Thank you, Mr. J, for that email. That is awesome. We are so glad that from our True Blood podcast, you're following us over here to the Fringe. Well, I'm glad that we've got several people new to Fringe yeah. coming on board and watching it because the more people who watch, the better chance we have to get more Fringe, and I just want to have more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think now, so, too. Mr. J has a PS that's kind of off topic of Fringe, but I thought you would like this sister. Sister J. Okay. He says, P.S. I have plenty to say about Survivor and the Amazing Race. Expect an email soon. P.P.S. 
Sister J, you really should give Glee a shot. <laughs> I am not a big musical person either, but that show is hilarious. There really isn't anything like it on TV. Sister K is totally right about this one. If anything, check out the Preggers episode just for fun. It's less singing and more dancing. Oh, Thank you, Mr. J. You know I'm right. Well, you know what, Mr. J? Uh, yeah, that's that's your and sister, <laughs> that is your and Sister K's opinion. But no, uh, there's way more than just us two. Okay, well, anyway, uh, no, Sister J will not be watching no Glee. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Okay, back to French. Our next email is from Miss J Squared. Oh, hey, Miss J Squared. Now, her email is kind of, when I read this, I was just cracking up okay. out loud. It's kind of long, but I'm going to read it because it's just good. Okay. She writes, sisters. And she used to write us also. She was a faithful listener on our Big Brother, our True Blood podcast. True Blood. And so this is the first time we are hearing from her on Fringe. Woohoo! I finally caught up with you on Fringe. This show is a mind blow. Yep. Now, I love Lost, but this twists my brain in a completely different way. Yep. I don't have a lot of plot theories yet, just kind of going along for the ride. But some of my character thoughts are Peter. He's my favorite character so far. Sisters, how can you think there's something sinister about him? (laughs) I don't see it. I just don't. I keep hoping that he and Olivia end up together. Oh, no. Wait, let me finish. I think he's probably the most complex and layered character since there is so much that we don't know about him yet. How is he seemingly unaffected by going to another dimension? When everyone else crossed over, they had severe repercussions. Perhaps that all ties in with why Walter experimented on him as a child. Maybe Walter has a cure for the dimension travel disease, quote unquote. If so, then why hasn't he divulged the cure to Olivia, who is now suffering quite a bit? Anyway, I like Peter. That's my two cents on that. I mean, think of how confused he must feel with memories of an absentee dad, etc. And he's so patient with Walter. I just wouldn't have the patience. Now, do you want to stop there and comment yes, on her comments? Yes, Okay, first of all... I, I'm going to agree with you, and I don't even know what you're going to say. But I, go ahead, Sister <laughs> First of all, uh, no. Peter is sinister. Oh, Peter no. has... Okay, I'm not going to agree. Okay, well, Peter has some other stuff, but... But also, Peter and Olivia should not be together. That no. is going to ruin the whole show. I think so, too. I like the fact that they have more of a brother-sister type or even a colleague-type relationship where they really like and respect one another. But I don't want no <clears throat> romantic involvement there. That would just ruin the whole thing. I don't, I don't want them to be brother-sister types. I like the little... I like the fact that they're... Um, could be some sexual tension in some of the glances that we see. I don't ever want them to act on it, though. Never. I don't want any of that to happen because Mm-mm. it's it just makes it more interesting for them to always have that little chemistry mm-hmm. and thing thought in the background that it could possibly happen, but not. I think it would ruin the show also. And I do not recall Walter doing experiments on Peter. I don't recall that at all. Walter went yeah. to the alternate universe. And got this Peter. Right, but when he was a child, I do remember them mentioning that he has done a lot of experiments. But he did experiments on the child Peter that died because he was trying to save him. That's true, but you know, that's the whole point. That's the whole point is that part of that whole dimension, some things change in the alternate reality, Mm -hmm. but, (coughs) excuse me, 
But I still think that some of the core things still happen to the people. Well, that may be true, but I, I have, there has not been any information that I can recall that the Peter that Walter got from the alternate reality had the same affliction medically that the Peter who died as a child well, had. Well, and also what she's saying is, if Walter knows, if Peter, this Peter who came from the alternate reality does not have any issues with the time, with the reality travel, mm-hmm. And maybe Walter has a cure for it. How come he hasn't given it to Olivia? Well, but see, now I took it like the reason why there weren't any lasting re, uh, uh, or physical manifestations we that we know of is because number one, Peter was a child when he came from the alternate we don't reality. Know that. Uh, uh, yeah, we do. We don't know that. Walter went and got him as a child. Mm. We know that. Mm-mm. Also, also. We know that Peter has had, even though Peter is is intellectually brilliant, we know that he has had a lot of personal problems. We'll just put him in that category. Where and that is why he has turned to like gun running well, and being. First of all, I don't think we have confirmed or seen when Peter came over. I I, I don't see. I don't think that we did see his gravestone. That's said true. his age, but we don't know that Walter got him at the same age and brought him over. We don't know anything about that. Okay, see, I just, I just took it like, a, a, and, and maybe he conked him on the head, and he, Peter, has missing time, and that's the time when he came over. I don't know. See, that's the part that we haven't seen yet that I am aware of. I thought now, if when, I'm wrong, somebody please let me know. Well, I thought that in the episode in season one where they're chasing the guy who's got the little gizmo that, that he can yeah. shoot, you know, uh, and they were out there in the woods. But I, I, I took it in that episode uh, because the Observer was also very close to meeting with Walter again. Um, I, I could almost swear that that's where we find out that he took... Peter, the the Peter that he has now, as a kid, oh. to replace the Peter that died, because he he was already doing these experiments. Olivia and Peter are around the same age. He did I, the experiments on a group of children of which Olivia I, I was in yeah, that group. Well, I have to go back and watch that. Yeah, or we'll have to go back and, or and see because I don't recall. Yeah. Okay. Um, what, else, anyway, what else does she say? She says, Olivia, I like her, but I don't think she carries the show. She's kind of one-dimensional for me. I'm always more interested in the supporting characters anyway. And sisters, let me say that I really did know that she wasn't from the U.S. I pick up on slips in her accent while speed watching season one, and I Googled it. Sure enough. Hmm. Walter, got on my nerves a bit at first, but now I find him so lovable. To me, the show really is about Walter. Okay, let's stop a minute. Let's go back to Olivia. How do you speed watch? I, I don't know. Man, Apparently, that's that's intriguing though. I'd like to know how to do that speed watching. Well, Send us an she email. Probably let me know. Just, <laughs> Jay, you are crazy. She probably just watched it all in like a okay. weekend or well, something. Back to Olivia. Um, in my opinion, I don't see her as one dimensional. I don't either. There is a lot of background information that we got in season one about Olivia. Uh. And I like what they did with her. I think in this season two, the reason why we don't get that same level of information is because they assume you already know it and are remembering yeah, it. Yeah. But she's she's very uh, complex, also. I like I like her character. Yeah. And what we don't see this season that we had last in the beginning, 
was the love side. I mean, right now we're exactly. just seeing the FBI, FBI agent side. Right. Because we don't have that love interest that she had in the beginning of season one. Because she's she's kind of really but she's come to mental coming, grips right. with John. And John's not coming back. No. And, and his memories are now completely Gone. out of her. Right. Yeah. So... And Walter, oh yeah, he's my fave. I love Walter. He's just so sweet. Okay, let's move on. She okay. says, Nina, ooh, love that hand. <laughs> I love Nina Sharp. Royals, there's more going on there than meets the eye. I'm just going to keep him in my view. This character reminds me a lot of his Lost character, though. He was on Lost? Yeah. Oh, see, I got Lost on Lost like second season. He was, um, his last name was Abaddon or something. Okay. Yeah, and... He was a pretty good character on Lost. Kind of mysterious and brooding too. Mm -hmm. So that's probably what she means. Astrid. Okay, sisters, I have a confession (laughs) to make. I like Astrid and my half-sister. You can also call me Half-Sister J, I guess. (laughs) LOL. It seems like there are more of us popping up in these little supporting roles. Maybe they like our hair. But really, though, they are not giving Astrid nearly enough to do. Mm -hmm. And that girl's hair needs help. Seriously, I love the curls. Her hair looks just like mine, but much shorter. I think they cut it to make her appear older. But why not let it grow out in all its curly glory? Come on now. Give her a boyfriend or a best friend or a hobby or a life outside the lab, please. Well, we certainly agree with that. Because uh, we've talked about that. Sister J, or um, Miss J squared, or Miss Half J squared, um, check out the next episode. It's a wig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've already talked about that. It's a wig. Okay, she goes on to say, Charlie, they did him dirty like eggs. (laughs) I'm so glad eggs got the got the. So that's a reference to True Blood for those of y'all who don't know. Okay, that's all for now. Love y'all and the show. Sincerely, Miss J Squared, aka Half Sister J, aka (laughs) Jessica. Well, there's uh, uh, okay. uh, Just to address this one aspect. Half Sister J, there's a lot of us biracial and multiracial people here, you know, but we all identify, or at least Sister Well, she's saying I. that, you know, in in the Astrid character, apparently they don't know how to work with her hair. Right, and they put that nasty wig on yeah. her, see? So, so we don't you know. know. Maybe she had to shave her head off, all her hair off for a movie, another movie. I don't think or, she'd do it, though. I don't know. She got beautiful hair, though, but thank you so much for that email, though. We love yes. it. We love it. Now, our last email is great. It's from Danielle. Hey, and Danielle. And she is um, also a emailer from our True Blood podcast. Oh, hey, Danielle. So it's, it's a little bit long, too, but it is so good. And she's got a great theory. She's okay. like, hey, sisters, I'm beyond excited that you're doing a fringe podcast. I think I'm extra excited because I was one of the people who suggested it to you. <laughs> anyway, I noticed that you're trying to keep your recap shorter. Not sure if you had complaints about that or something, but I wanted to tell you that I, for one, really like detailed recaps. I always seem to miss important names or little things that were said, and I like hearing all those details in the recap. I know some people out there don't agree, but that's just my opinion. Okay. the first part. Go ahead. Okay. Well, Danielle, that's exactly why me, Sister J, did the long recap today, because I'm with you. I like the detailed recap because I love, especially because in Friends, just like I did in True Blood, but in Friends, the dialogue they give some of these characters is too good to ignore. So I really like it. And whenever I do a recap, it will be a longer one. Yes. And I was just trying to get them a little shorter so we had more time to talk. And do email and feedback than 
Yeah, rehash the episode that we've all seen. We're going to so. talk and we're going to do email anyway, so. Yeah, true. Yeah. Okay, now this is the meat of her email. Okay. She says, okay, so the more I thought about this theory of mine, she had emailed me and Sister Jay about a theory, um, but she fleshed it out more, so I'm just going to read the fleshed out part. Okay. I've Okay, so since I've thought about this theory of mine, I've changed a little bit and tried to put my thoughts together so it would make sense. My thought was that the alternate Walter, let's call him Walternate, <laughs> is like the evil version of Walter. Because as quirky and odd as Walter is, I think he is a kind soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Walter did all this research with William Bell and figured out how to get himself to the alternate universe to get the alternate Peter since his Peter died. Yep. Walternate is Peter's real father from the alternate universe. Walternate is pissed because Walter crossed over to his universe and took his kid. Walternate may or may not have been as quite as scientifically researches Walter so he couldn't just get over to the real universe to get Peter back. But then somehow he figures out how to contact the real universe, which I guess he would consider his alternate universe. Mm -hmm. But he really needs William Bell's help to get his son back. And Olivia has information about William Bell in her head, even though she can't remember it at the moment. So he needs to get info from Olivia to find William Bell and then He can just destroy Olivia because he wouldn't have any use for her after that. So that's why he sent his shape-shifting person out for Olivia, and he is supposed to kill her after she remembers the info for him. Then Walternet can find William Bell, travel to the real universe, and duke it out with Walter. Whew, wild, huh? This gets way confusing. I'm not too good at this theorizing stuff because it makes my brain hurt. (laughs) LOL. And then the more I think about the more I think, the more confused I end up getting. I'm sure it will all change after we find out more on the newest episode. I'm excited to watch. Thanks again for your replies to my emails. You girls walk, rock, Danielle. Oh, thank you, Danielle. You know what? I love that theory. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's... So she's basically saying... Wow. Walternate. Walternate. Is the one behind the yeah. typewriter. That makes perfect sense. Because he wants to get to William Bell, find out where he's at, yep. to get his technology so he can travel to us real time to get his Peter back. Oh, that is an excellent theory. Woo, you go, girl. Go, Danielle. You go, Danielle. That, I had not thought about it I in those terms. Me neither. Me neither. But it and when, fits and it makes, it makes perfect, perfect sense. sense. And if that is not how the story goes, then they need to maybe put you on an episode or something, you They're know. On a payroll. Yeah, put you on a payroll. That is an excellent idea because just, because we're assuming that the alternate Walter would be just as scientific, but maybe he's not. So that's a good observation. He probably isn't. Yeah, that's an excellent observation because, because there, there's got to be somebody who is motivated with this trying to get Olivia and stuff. But then how did the observers fit in? Because the observers are actually here. Yeah, and that's that's what we don't quite know, right? And, and about the last, maybe uh, second to the last uh, episode, an observer took Walter, our Walter. Right, and said it's time to go it, back or something like that. It's time, and they went in the woods. And yeah. we don't know what happened because it didn't show. Yeah. So, so I mean, we either I'm not remembering, but I don't think that we have we really know what the observers are there for. Yeah, and it could be just that I am not remembering from the first season, or I just didn't catch the theories, or no. what. But I don't think we really know. They didn't tell you. <clears throat> you know that they're observers, and you know they can do certain things, but they never tell you. Why, Actually, what the closest we got to knowing what the observers want is 
today, uh, today's episode fracture by Colonel Gordon, when he's saying they, I don't know, I don't know, you know who they are, but I know they want to exterminate us. And that's what he said, but they got pictures of Walter and their briefcase. Well, they're saying that the the, the item in the briefcase will destroy us all. That's what he said. Well, the item in the briefcase is pictures of Walter. So they're thinking that holds Danielle's theory up. That's true. Walter will destroy us all because Walter's the one in the alternate, the Walternate. But she wrote that theory before this episode, though. She did. So, huh. That's, that's excellent theory, though. It's That's great. intriguing. That's it's very, very intriguing. Great. Yeah. That's something to think about. I'm going to have to think on that one. Well, Danielle, you get all the credit for that theory because I'm going to snatch it now. <laughs> that's my theory now. Well, it's your theory, but I'm going to keep that in my brain because now I'm going to start watching and thinking about that and seeing how, what, how we can make what happens fits into that. Theory. Yeah. That's to me. That makes a lot of sense. That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, all right. If y'all have, if any other of you have theories or corrections for us and want to get in on emails, you can do so at sisterspeak at gmail.com. Our voicemail line is 972-692-7341. And our website is sistersinterview.com. Thank all of y'all for listening and for the great emails. We love it. Keep it coming. All right. Well, that's it. I'm Sister K. And I'm Sister J. See you next week.